This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands is brought to you by Hottest 100s and Thousands. Since 1993, the Hottest 100 has been the largest annual music poll in the world. Countless acts have graced its charts, from Dido to Depeche Mode, Eminem to Elvis, Powderfinger to Peter Hellier. Hottest 100s and Thousands is going to talk about all of them. That's right, all of them. It's a Sydney-based podcast hosted by longtime friends Adam Buncher, Andrew McDonald, Nathan Harrison, and me, David James Young. Every week, we look back at every Hottest 100 and every song that has been deemed hot enough to be a part of it over the course of 20-plus years. The podcast is currently in its second season and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and wherever you get podcasts from. For more information, visit facebook.com slash hottest100s&thousands. Enjoy the show. In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off limits. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Hey kids, it's David James Young here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Hope you're all doing incredibly well. I'm not going to keep you for much longer because I know y'all will be itching to get to the meat, uh, the uh, the core of this episode. Maybe I shouldn't have used meat seeing as I was uh, interviewing a vegan, but... Uh, you know, it seemed pertinent. Seemed pertinent at the time. So uh, yeah, let's get into it. We've got a couple of quick plugs to get through before that. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out on Thursday, April twenty third, couple of options for you tonight in Sydney. Citizen are uh, in Australia, the Michigan pop punk band, who released one of my favorite albums of twenty thirteen, an album called Youth. They will be playing at the Boldface Stag tonight with Oslo and the Post Blue, two exceptional Australian bands that I really, really dig. So strongly recommend that particular bill. Uh, if you're not so much into the pop punk thing, uh, head along to Brighton Up Bar. Yetis are going to be playing their final ever show. Yes, it's a it's a sad end for our sweetheart folky dudes. But uh, I'm sure that we'll be hearing from all of them again in the not-too-distant future. Friday night, uh, Torso are here in Australia for the very first time, who are a excellent punk-slash-grind band from the States, featuring uh, members of Punch and Holy. They are at the Red Rattler on Friday for an all-ages show with an incredible lineup of Canine, Tanned Christ, Thorax and Baby Machine. That's being put on by One Brick Today, who are a fantastic DIY promotional and touring dealio. I, I, com- I, I, you can't call them a company, uh, but uh, however you classify them, they do awesome things for DIY punk rock in this country. So please support them. 
and please get out and check out Torso when they're in town. If you're in Wollongong, Andy Bull is uh, touring his single Talk Too Much from his album from last year, Sea of Approval. Uh, that is arriving at the Unibar on Friday night with Brisbane band Cub Sport in tow. A lovely indie pop bill for those maybe hanging for a bit of early 2010s nostalgia. I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, you'll definitely get that with that bill. On Saturday night, Anzac Day, uh, Zounds will be playing at Blackwire with Spencer Scott and Jack Lundy, the Newcastle kids. I believe that's $5 or something ridiculous like that. So make sure you get out to a show this week, no matter what you're into. I'm sure there'll be something out there for you. This week on the podcast, we have Lindsay McDougall. Yes, the doctor himself. Frenzel Rom, guitarist, occasional solo performer, former Triple J host, one half of the Self-Righteous Brothers, and one of the nicest guys you could ever hope to come across in Australian music. We had a right old hoot having a chat in one of the conference rooms upstairs at the Factory Theatre. So uh, this is a lot quieter than the uh, the episode with Jules Rosenberg's, which was recorded uh, on the same night. I like the contrast. I'm I'm glad that we were able to uh, have a quiet moment with the Doctor. Of course, Friends of Rom will be on tour quite soon on the final Countdown tour, and that is more than likely coming to a venue near you. So be sure to go and check them out while they're in town. But in the meantime. You've waited long enough. Let's have a chat right now with Lindsay the Doctor McDougal. Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend, Lindsay the Doctor McDougall. Yes, hello. Here we are at the Factory Theatre yes. where uh, myself and David James Young and a few other people just watched two bands already. Yes, uh, we just saw Ebola Goldfish mm-hmm. who you have a bit of a blood tie to. <laughs> a bit of a blood tie. <laughs> it's like That's blood awesome. tie. That's awesome. <laughs> I, Ebola Goldfish are my brother's there too and a drummer and Andy a drummer so there's Andy the guitarist and singer there's Gavin the guitarist and bass sorry the singer and bass player and there's Andy the drummer and the two singers are uh, are my brothers and they play their first gig on their 18th birthday so they've been going for about 16 years and they're excellent and they have this amazing um uh, brain chemistry that allows them to harmonise together because they're twins. Yes. I'm, I, I don't believe in anything esoteric, but <laughs> twins have some shit going on. Yeah, it's some cool. twin magic going it's on. It's twin magic, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's twin magic. Yeah. So uh, much so that the yeah. first time my brother, uh, first time Jason saw them, he went up to them and said, what the fuck happened to Lindsay? Which <laughs> 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 is beautiful. It was gorgeous. And, and accurate. Uh, speaking of Mr. Jason J. Wally, mm. uh, we also just saw him perform mm-hmm. uh, with uh, his other band, uh, mm-hmm. Chinese Burns Unit. So uh, you've had a pretty good night, all things considered. Getting some, getting some uh, connections in there. That's true. And, and, and the Bennies are headlining, so they just brought me beers from their rider, which is also nice, because I'm one of those You've got to be happy with that. I enjoy an occasional beer, yeah. yeah it was good. <laughs> yeah, so, Chinese Burdens Unit are great. You should definitely go and watch them. It's got all of uh, Jason's lovely, acidic sort of brain, but 
the beautiful melodic skills of Glenno, who writes the songs. Yes. And also um, Johnny from uh, The Optionals, who, yes. pl- who who plays the other guitar and sings one, sang one song tonight. Another great melodicist. Yeah, yeah. Melodicist. Fucking great bands. Good melodicist. times, good times all mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes. We met uh, for the first time, I believe, about five years ago. Right. It was... This is actually kind of funny. It was almost a romantic comedy <laughs> meeting, considering uh, I'd left my jacket uh, at like just up the back at Good God, and I believe you had left yours right next to mine. Oh. We both went to get our jackets <laughs> at the same time. And I was just like, oh, Lindsay, hey, I tweeted you the other day about uh, Battalion 666. <laughs> 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 this is like this is like back twenty tens or something. Yeah, yeah, we we just seen Alpine. Ah, yeah, they ah, just launched great. their single at Good God. Wonderful. So way, way, way back then. I, I I was doing my um my my tax the other day, and I haven't done it for quite a few years. Yes, and I have to do a travel diary, and so I went through my tweets. Because to do a travel diary for me is the only way. I I don't keep any paper records or anything of what no, I do. No, no, no. As I go through my my Twitter, and I found what I thought were my first tweets to you. But um, I can't remember what they were. So this part of the story is completely irrelevant, and I'm yeah. not going to look it up on my phone. So I don't think I've, I've made a record of it. But I was like, oh, that's right. That's when I first started tweeting this dude who would go to bands all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you from the thing. I remember you from the front of the thing, and then yeah, you were the, the thing. the thing and the thing and the thing. thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you, and then on the train, when I first started seeing Jen, and you would just be on the train. I'd go down and see my fiancé now. Yes. Down, in, down the coast, and you'd just be on the train coming back from a gig. Yes. All the way down to, I don't know where hell part of the world yeah, that yeah, David yeah. lives but yeah <laughs> further south than where my girlfriend yes yeah. correct yes. yeah that was back there back in Alpine days yeah yeah First about to release record. their second yeah. record good I, times, I, I, I Instagrammed them this morning and asked about it oh wonderful there's a beautiful photo um, of them dancing around I said less dancing more album releasing <laughs> and they, they Instagrammed back an emoticon sorry what do they call it an emoji oh an emoji yeah that's of, right of a, of, a, of a thumbs up and a dick <laughs> So I think a tick, that's a good combo. That's good. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, because this is the thing that people who listen to this probably already know. David goes to a lot of a lot of concerts. This is correct. A lot of functions, <laughs> a lot of gigs. Yes, including a lot of yours. Yeah, that you've played over the years. Various. <laughs> I think various the first time I saw you guys play would have been at uh, my uni. Uh, mm. Yeah, at Wollongong University. So this would have been a couple of years before we met, mm-hmm. I believe. I would have just started at uni there. Uh, I believe it was the uh, the Boys Are Back in Brown tour. <laughs> okay, now we should, you have to. What what year are we talking about? That was that. I think it was two thousand nine. I think. Okay. It was, yeah. So uh, Jay had just come back from overseas. Yes. I believe, yeah, yeah. And I believe the main support was Nancy Van Ah, uh, I remember that tour. Yes. I remember that tour not very well. <laughs> but no, I do remember bits about that tour. No, I remember, I remember things about... We played at the University of Wollongong a few times. Yes. And I remember that tour for the fact that my mum and her boyfriend came. Oh, they were really? upstairs. That was weird. It was weird because at the time we had some friends upstairs as well and they were you know they were they were, they were quite drunk and they yes. were quite belligerent and quite uh, ebullient they're quite excited and my m- belligerent people in a yeah, belligerent believe it or not no shit and but also the, some of them were, were ladies who weren't weren't wearing very much just because they don't wear very much as they they do they were wearing like kind of their weird lingerie that they wear to gigs yes and was, i just remember like trying to shield my mother and her boyfriend away from those people anyway <laughs> they're wonderful people and one of them just got engaged the other day so oh muzzle yeah, congratulations felicia um anyway uh and then the next time we played at that gig at, at the University of Wollongong I remember which was a little bit later maybe 2011 mm, that, yeah that sounds about right and uh, with 
Totally Unicorn. Yes, they opened that show. Yep. I passed Drew in the pit as they played. <laughs> they played like this last weekend as well at the same venue. Didn't pass him in the pit that time. I'm engaged now. But, uh, <laughs> that was good. I had a really funny thing happened at that show. So that, I was single at that point, And uh, I, one of the women taking photos, was, like one of the people taking photos was a woman who was very good looking. And she was wearing a University of Wollongong high-vis vest. Ah, oh, yes. And uh, she had... Uh, she, she'd taken the vest off and left her camera wrapped up in the vest backstage after she went off to do whatever. Yeah. And so I thought I would be the ultimate, like, just horror, like, just bad, cheesy dude. And I wrote a, wrote a little note saying, hey, I'm Lindsay. Um, we were hanging out. You, you took a photo of You took some photos of to the gig. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I took a photo with her camera of this note. So when she was developing the film from the gig, she would see my note on her film. Yes. Which is also the plot of some horrible Hollywood movie. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but I never heard back from her, so I just wrote it off. And then about like two years later, I was at, uh, at Oxford Art Factory, and this guy comes up to me and goes, Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, you're, my girlfriend's a photographer, and we found your note on her camera. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. He goes, no, it's cool. It was freaking hilarious. And then soon after that, I actually ended up like through that meeting. And she was like getting her hair all cut off for a world's greatest shave. And I like, retweeted it some things and made, yeah. you know, but it was just, anyway, that's what happened. That's what happens <laughs> at university of Wollongong. It, it really is. There. So let's uh, take it back. Mm-hmm. Take us back to Dane mm. and, uh, and, and uh, growing up uh, with, yeah. with Gavin and Andy, etc. Yes. And, uh, was it was it a collective thing, or did you each kind of find your path into music separately? Um, well, it's interesting. My parents... So my mum is exactly the right age to have been swept up in Beatles mania, but completely missed it. Oh, really? And my dad... More of a Stones fan. She, <laughs> no, well, maybe more of a stoner, but I don't even think so. I think she may have dabbled in marijuana, but I don't think so. Not exactly. <laughs> the Rolling all. Stones, mate. Yeah. No, no, I knew the Beatles <laughs> and Stones joke, but I moved straight on to that. Sorry. Oh, of course you <laughs> so, do. Um, but... My, and my dad, who's like 10 and a bit years older, um, he's into Gilbert and Sullivan. Mum was into Rod Stewart, I think. Anyway, yeah, no, right. basically, they weren't really into music so much. They, they like going to music, they're into stuff. Yeah, Rod Stewart doesn't constitute real music. <laughs> I do like Rod Stewart, but it was just, it's just more just... My mum had like some cassettes that we occasionally get listened to. Right, yeah, yeah, But yeah, yeah no, I don't know. I, we got into musical theatre from my parents, and okay. so there are videos around of me and my brothers all being in Oliver the musical I played the artful dodger nice and uh, you know, for the right amount of money my, my fiance Jen will give you these DVDs they've been put on DVD since then oh, uh, my, my brothers were also in Yeah, we, we did a few different musicals and stuff and <laughs> side note that would actually explain the uh, the use of uh, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair in an episode of Battalion 666 oh, oh no Jason also did musicals we both oh, did musicals yeah 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 we both have this yeah because I think it's because we both know about melodies and it's because of our, our musical life I even played The Boyfriend in a production of The Boyfriend no in, in year 12 maybe year 11 yeah about, right I guess anyway so somehow yeah we, we all sort of got into musicals and that was fine my parents were they helped us out with these sort of things and it's it's a very strange world musicals it is yeah getting drunk on you know like someone a friend's dad's brandy at the after party and <laughs> and you know trying to patch some girl from the chorus or whatever it's, it's a very strange yeah, yeah. world so yeah i was learning piano i'd learned piano for a while and my mum was insistent on that and that's awesome that she did and then at one point we had to learn guitar for like a term in year eight i was 14 yeah and at the end of that uh, my school teacher just said okay so Lindsay's going back to piano because that's what he does and I was like, no. I got upset the fact that he, that, that she, sorry, Mrs. Kelly, had decided I was 
not allowed to play guitar anymore just for you know on principle because well, she decided well I know maybe I want to play it some more maybe I do yeah and, and as a result I was like no I'm getting lessons I want to be a guitarist now and it was purely because she had decided because I'd been a pianist before I'd played piano before that I wasn't allowed to, you know, I was just going back to you know she just made the decision for me so as a result of that and I'm getting lessons with Miss McClintock, who was the, the guitar teacher at the school, and also the English teacher. Oh, that's it. Good double duty. <laughs> it was. Two, two things about her is that me and Russ, Russ Wilder did a performance of the parrot sketch, the dead parrot sketch for Monty Python, and she said, you were the only two people I've ever heard do this who could make it not funny. <gasps> Brilliant. Oh, Brilliant. Miss McClintock absolutely smashed us. And also she, uh, she taught me how to play Sweet Child of Mine incorrectly. And I worked it out that she was telling me wrong, and and I, I stopped getting lessons and taught myself from then on. So, so as a result, so how, how did she teach it to you? She she was telling me to bar it on the twelfth fret instead of just play it. Like she was like she'd learnt it almost. Yeah, but if you you don't play it by barring the twelfth fret and no. then and making a D shape, you you, you sort of you, know, you sort of get spider your fingers around a little bit anyway yeah. it was kind of funny at the time and I remember I was like you know, 14 maybe 14 and a half at the time I went, yeah, yeah. that's wrong I don't trust you I don't trust any teachers I'm learning guitar myself god damn it hell yeah yeah and so then I just bought a bunch of bad books you know like you're a five of the best baby animals five of the best sound garden five of the best Pearl Jam books like they, 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 they'd have five songs from each band and you just learn them in there and I just taught myself how to learn tab and all that sort of stuff Right. And, yeah, and that's when I started getting into Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Alice in Chains and really into that stuff. Listen to the entire CD, play along to the entire CD, yeah, right. sing along to the entire CD. I'd either do the harmonies or the bottom line. Like the, yeah, yeah, like, that's especially good if you're doing an Alice in Chains. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? Oh, Jerry Cantrell's harmonies are the yeah, best. Come unbelievable. on. Unbelievable. Yeah. You can do the, the, I believe their moans are me, or the, <laughs> or you can do the, I feel so alone, gonna end up a big old pile of them bones. Like uh, I, can, I can do entire. In fact, me and Gordy do occasionally on the way back from uh, gigs in our Tarago do uh, do Alice in Chains sing-alongs. The whole thing. Oh, that's yeah, fucking it's great. It's beautiful. So yeah, but we can. Yes, yeah, so I, I can still play every song on Dirt and most songs on Sap and Jar of Flies. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we, we got. I got into all of that stuff and had horrible bands. Engadine Library out the front. Myself and I can't remember who else was in the band. Maybe David Virgilio and Russell Wilder playing horrible covers, Pearl Jam covers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So was that your first band? First band was actually in year eight playing keyboards. Oh, nice. Year eight, I'd say. Maybe year six. No, I'd say year eight. <laughs> Called the Time Bandits, I the think. The Time Bandits, okay. Played two gigs. One, like like a gig somewhere and then a gig at Miranda Fair, which is now called Miranda um, Westfield. Yes. And <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, it was like, they just let anyone play like somehow my parents found out about this thing and I was allowed to play these songs uh, originals yeah. terrible so With... what kind of stuff was that I can, rem- I can remember <laughs> the rhythm that I was playing on the piano but I have no idea what I was playing but it was like my, my love is in the something something like something horrible like my that my love is in the something I, I don't know, remember that's next level was, I love it it was no it was the bottom level there was there's so many levels after it <laughs> That's terrible. All right, so let's go into those levels. What, what 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 came after that? After after that band was when I started Negla Delta. Negla Delta. It was a band okay. with Greg Carter and Russell Wilder, I imagine, and uh, and Dave Harker. Dave Harker was a good friend of mine who played slap bass, and so all oh, right, we're Let's into Primus. Yeah, so much Primus. And you know how like when you're at school, 
a guy who can play slap bass, you think, yeah, he can play. He plays Primus. Oh, yeah. But then, in retrospect, none of us could play like Primus. Oh, no. He was just going, boom, bam, da, bam, da, bam, da, bam, da, bam, like just sort of slapping his fingers on the bass and finger tapping and stuff that sounded like he was playing Les Claypool. But we had a lot of fun. It was good. That was like years ten, nine and ten. We had so much fun just in his basement. Um, just... Yeah, playing along to anything. Playing a lot, lot of Helmet. I remember playing a lot of oh, Helmet. Oh, yeah. And, like, learning how to count, how to play along with um, weird time signatures, which probably helped when I got into Soundgarden having to play in weird time signatures and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and Primus, and I imagine I played Red Hot Chili Peppers, although I blocked most of that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, Flea, Les Claypool, Slap Bass. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's why I know we would have played it. And and he, him and a couple of his mates listen to no effects and stuff which is where this kind of even though I, was, I loved grunge music my first tattoos ever were going to be uh, the, the the Pearl Jam alive stick figure on oh, my arm what? and I was going to get the Bad Motor Finger which is the album that um, the Soundgarden released in like 1991 yeah 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 uh, on my chest the Bad Motor Finger logo mm-hmm. and the Sun logo the Alice in Chains Sun logo on my back big time writ large and I'm really glad that you weren't allowed to be get tattoos till you're 18 because mm. they would have happened so <laughs> I'm going to assume that you didn't get any of them none of those no. I would still probably get them but smaller because they're all <laughs> seminal records and seminal oh, yeah, bands yeah, for me oh yeah yeah sure and I've, you know, since then, I still love them and stuff. Um, but yeah, I even lined up, I remember lining up a red eye for a meet and greet with Alice in Chains once. It was just awesome. And they were here on, they, they, they played at the Metro with Suicidal Tendencies. It's hilarious. Alice in Chains supported by Suicidal Tendencies. Fucking hell. Freaking rad. Yeah. It was really good. I remember, I, I remember all the gigs of the Metro because that was when I, before I was 18. And so it was all ages gigs on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And the, the mosh pit, I, that smell of the mosh pit, you don't really smell it anymore this smell that an enclosed all ages mosh pit has it's not alcohol it's not cigarettes at least not overpoweringly it's just this weird sweat smell of yeah, yeah, boys yeah. and girls mostly boys yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and bad, bad links yeah. bad links bad yeah. links it's all that stuff and, 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 and maybe Australis since this was the 90s uh, the yes 90s. of course <laughs> yeah yeah so I saw all that and then yeah then eventually got into no effects and mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine who worked at a video shop I met her at a video shop ended up selling me some Frenzel Rom CDs and Meanie CDs and hard-on CDs or maybe cassettes probably CDs since this was like 1994 mm-hmm. and said oh you should listen to some Australian music as well and so I decided loving all this Australian music and so, yeah what were your gateway drugs there like there was, God, hard-ons no no it was hard-ons it was the Meanies definitely the Meanies and it was Frenzel Rom which is hilarious that's so fucking crazy <laughs> like I, I bought Coughing Up a Storm and um, the Dick Sandwich EP off this friend of mine and um, she's gonna be, I can't remember her name she was great and she worked at the, at the video shop in Engadine I'd hang out there all the time because she was a nerd <laughs> like me like we just like you know I'd just rather I wouldn't do anything else wouldn't go to any sporting events or anything mm. just go and hang out at the video shop so did you actually go and see friends or like prior to joining <laughs> oh so much oh shit <laughs> I, so my, tell, tell us about that tell us about meeting those guys for the first time uh, the first time I met friends or Rom was at Sydney Uni at the Manning Bar I Went there, must have been still at school, because I joined in April after I finished school. But I saw them during the, yeah, somehow. I, I used to go into town a lot with my friend Rob Hinks. We'd jump on a train from Engadine and, and get in and go to Red Eye and do Red Eye and Waterfront and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. we must have gone and seen a lunchtime Friends or Rom gig then. And I got a, a set list signed by Friends or Rom, and I got it framed for my girlfriend at the time. Liz, right. For Liz Ray, who I was going out with at the time. And I gave it to her for like her 16th birthday or something, a signed Frenzel Rom set list, framed. And it was hilarious. And then that soon after that, 
It would have been... Yeah, so that was like, yes. Yeah, her birthday was in like June or July. Yeah. So that would have been the year that I finished school. So I was like 17 then. And she would have been 16. What, were you, there, what was your initial impression of those guys? Like, you, you I thought like, they were yeah. rich. I, I asked one of them where they parked their cars or something. Like, how did you, how did you get here? Like, where would you park your cars? And they laughed and said, we don't have cars. Except, <laughs> I think maybe Lex did have a car. I don't know, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. They, they, like, cause I just thought, because they were in a band, they were rich. Yeah. Because they were, and they were, come on, they're playing at Sydney Uni during the day, so they have jobs. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, like, yeah, who was in at that point? It was, that was Ben, that was yeah. Jason, and Nat, and Lex. So that was the, the lineup just before me. So I never saw him with Bruce the uh, previous drummer or um, Carl the original was right, the other way around Carl yeah. Bruce or Carl um, yeah I never saw him with them but then I remember seeing them at uh, I went on an SNFU harbour cruise that they put on on this really dirty boat called the Rocks Rhythm Boat it may not have been it may have been like pre-Rocks it was a dirty dirty cruise boat anyway yeah really small and like sort of 10 bucks a ticket everyone was drunk and I wasn't I was like 17 and that's when they announced their, 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 their sorry their guitarist was leaving Right. Ben was playing. I remember they were playing this tiny. You couldn't even like Jason couldn't stand up in the in this boat. It was that crammed. Yeah. He was like leaning up against a pole, and they mentioned that uh, that Ben was leaving. And I got home from work. I was working at Coles Fruit and Veg, and I listened to a radio station, and they said that they're taking auditions. And so I said, I oh, no, no, I listened, and they, they gave a number. And so I called the manager, and he said, "Well, make a demo." And sent it through to us, and so I recorded a demo on like some dodgy thing that I had. Like I didn't have any four tracks or anything. I just had like a, a thing where you would place a tape machine next to another tape machine, press record on one and play on the other. And oh yeah! Keep bouncing you. And so I recorded a bunch of no effects songs and a bunch of meanie songs, and like got two two no effects songs, two meanie songs, two frenzel songs, and some songs I've written myself, like just bad drum machine play along to sort of stuff. Yeah, no, right. No, <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear that tape. It would be fucking embarrassing. Do you remember the first time you, you, you sat down and tried to write songs by yourself? No, I, no, I remember writing songs. I used to write songs all the time. Right, songs are just yeah. easy. I used to, not, songs aren't easy. Songs, writing shit songs is easy. Oh, I used to do course. it all the time. Like I was in, um, uh, um, in a drama class at school. Uh, we used to do theatre sports and you'd get like song in a minute. And they give you a topic and you have to write a song in a minute. And yeah. me and my mate Boyd and maybe Greg we would just write songs. Just bad horrible raps like melodic rap shit it's easy yeah, 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 just yeah. so you can just do it in, on the spot you come up with a chorus the one chorus that I remember writing the song the, the topic was Monopoly and the chorus that I wrote was I love Monopoly I love playing Monopoly I love Monopoly I love playing Monopoly probably like year seven and and then from, and then and then, and then we would rap and then go to the chorus. That was my probably first song. Fuck yeah! Terrible, terrible. <laughs> I was thinking about that hey, the other day. Start Something man. reminded me. I think I was like looking at a theatre sports ad, going. I, I used to go and watch a lot of theatre sports yeah. here at the factory theatre yeah, yeah, as well yeah. as like the Emmore and stuff. Flood. But they're actually good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I wrote. I used to write lots and lots of crap songs. I used to write songs for religion class for assignments. Oh no shit! I remember writing a song about Jesus. Yeah, As fun. you do, it's good. The, the 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 school teacher was so nice. He read the lyrics out. He didn't press play on the song for the crowd, the class. Thank goodness. Oh. He just read the lyrics out. You know, they were like, "Imagine if Jesus was alive today, came back to this town, parked his 
combi van outside Woolworths and t- took a look around. I believe that was the first four lines. That's amazing. Joan Osborne doesn't have shit on you. No, nah, no. If God was if God was one of us, he would slap me down for that shit song. <laughs> That's what Joan would say. And indeed, indeed she would. Take us to the audition process mm. for Frenzel. Which was, first of all, do the demo and send it off. Yep, and yep, then yep. They, they, Chris called me, which is the guy I've known for like, you know, 18 years now. Yeah. Didn't know him then. I was like 17 or just 18 years old. Turned right, 18 in yeah. March. This happened in like April, I guess. And said to come to the town hall in Newtown. And so I went to the town hall in Newtown, not realising he meant the town hall hotel uh, in the Newtown, townie, which is yes. a townie where everyone, which is where I spent every night from then on in. But uh, <laughs> I remember I went and finally went and met them in there and I bought them. Lex made me buy him a bourbon and Coke. I remember that. <laughs> Nothing's changed at any point. This was the beginning. And uh, then me and my mate Stoltz, at that stage, his name was Luke Shepard because Jason hadn't decided that he looked like Eric Stoltz and named him Stoltz then. <laughs> he was my school friend, Luke Shepard. Went to the bank, to out the back to Sumali Thai and bought um, rice with sweet chili sauce because it was $2, what we could afford. Yep. And then we went up stairs to feedback and they, did, and they basically chatted to us for a bit at the town hall and, and made sure I wasn't a psycho or whatever. There was two other guys there. Did they that, recognize you from from previous? Uh, I think so. Yeah, they yeah they knew me. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's this guy. Yeah, when I walked into the town hall, Jason looked and went, oh, oh it's that guy. That guy. It's that yeah, guy. Because yeah, I had yeah, been yeah. to so many shows, like I would go to every all ages show that um, Friends of Rome had done, and then I just started going to these over eighteen shows as well. Um, yeah, because I went to the final Ben concerts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manning Bar was the final Ben concert, and I wasn't in the band then, I'm sure. So I bought the T-shirt. <laughs> uh, them all pushing Ben away from the band. It was a very fun show. Oh, that's, show. A, that's great. It was like them and Nancy Vandal and Quad Box. Yeah, it was a great show. Oh, man. Except for Quad Box. But yeah, yeah. Um, it was... It was um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, we went upstairs, and by then it was just me and this one other guy. The other guy hadn't even made past the, the chat process. And they, and they were considerably older than me, the two other guys as well, which I'm sure counted in my favour, the fact that I was this young, malleable fool. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they, they, yeah so they, you're like three years younger than Chad? No, I'm, what am I? I'm 37, he's 42 maybe? So I'm like five years, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was 18 then, and he must have been, yeah, like 23 or something. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, they got me up on stage to play Run, which is surprisingly a little bit difficult because all the different stops. I think it was Run, maybe it was... Something similar to that. Uh, most of the songs on Coughing Up the Storm sound the same. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and um, and uh, oh no, fraud maybe fraud. Yeah, because fraud. Yeah, and, and they got me up and they said, "Oh, you want to do another one? You want to do another one?" And I did like three songs, and then maybe an encore. Bo Campbell and the manager and Chris said, do "You want to come to Melbourne next weekend?" And I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah." And then they went, "Wait a second, no, 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 he can't come to Melbourne. He's, he's 18 years old. He's not coming, you know." And so they took Bo to Melbourne and Bo Campbell from Front End Loader played guitar for this one little concert with friends all along. Yeah, right. And then after that, they rehearsed me up and blah 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 and started playing. First shows were actually in Melbourne, I think, anyway. But um, yeah, a little bit later than that. So talk us through your first shows with friends all. First show was in, I think it's Mansfield, outside of Melbourne. Not Mansfield, Brisbane. Mans- Mansfield outside of Melbourne. Real hick town. Uh, we played the drinking game ABBA which is where you have to say, you start with A and you have to name a band starting with A and you go around and the person, first person who can't has to drink and you move to B. We got through to Z before I got on stage. Holy shit. This was actually the first actual show or first actual performance was at a um, in Pran at a record shop and Nat, Nat the drummer got me stoned, which was done because I don't <laughs> even smoke pot. But we just played like four or five songs. But yeah, and then this, and I wore a balaclava because Tism were and are my favourite band. Yep. And I thought, if I'm going to be the new guitarist in Friends of Rome, I'm going to wear a balaclava for the first song or two. 
which was horrible because it was really hot and hard to play in. But yeah, I played. I was <laughs> but now you know how they felt. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I do so much. But yeah, I played. Yeah, and so I was a bit too drunk when I played that show. And then we played like an all ages at the Hi Fi that was like packed and sold out and shit. Yeah. And a show at Joey's at Paran, which is an over uh, Dean's gig that doesn't exist anymore in Paran. It was rad. It was called Joey's. I mean, and then uh, and then played the last night Sunday night in Geelong, and I was wrecked. It was like three nights in a row. I was absolutely wrecked. <laughs> they like woke me up we were sleeping in like this portable caravan thing they woke me up by pouring uh, detergent into my eyes oh Jesus Christ it's just nothing it's nothing but... no, it's, it's my it first just sounds, like, sounds a bit full on yeah but, uh, was, it, was, was it kind of like a hazing process there was no real no there's no real hazing the, the sound guy Hobbs at the time wanted to haze me but no one else he kept yelling about paying my dues and stuff and I'm just like <laughs> I'm fucking 18 I'm in the Sutherland Shire I don't know what I'm talking about what's this fucking rich white kid I don't, sort of I don't want to do anything yeah no no they, they were all very lovely it was fine it was, they were more just interested in whether I could actually write songs and all that sort of shit and so we started doing stuff very soon because that was just before Coughing Up uh, Not So Tough Now came up came yeah. out We'd, they'd already released um, Punch in the Face we had to do the video clip for Punch in the Face um, so that's why I was in that video clip and I didn't play on that song yeah. and also the video clip to Disappointment as well which I didn't play on and um, yeah, and then we started writing B sides straight away, and it was rad. It was yeah, fun. yeah. I was like writing riffs with fucking friends all wrong. And the, riff, the first one we wrote was "Bag of Bucks." This song was like dan 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 at this at this juncture, I I have a special request question mm-hmm. from Brock Devlin, mm-hmm. uh, who wanted to know if you can remember playing in Camden in 1996. That was uh, we escaped to the pub across the road or next door or something. There was a pub we escaped to. Yes, it was an all ages concert, and the kids were going fucking nuts. I'm sure Brock was included in those kids at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember escaping to the cre- this is I, I remember because someone actually asked me about this recently. Yeah, escaping to a pub and like the the bouncers at the pub having to stop people coming in, mm. and this is the first time like. When we would go away, and especially all ages crowds in the 90s would go freaking nuts for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was hilarious. Like, we'd play these concerts and everyone was just, like, screaming as we're trying to walk through the crowd. And it was very strange. And they weren't screaming. Like, these days, I think the screaming's a lot more sexualized and stuff. And there's a lot more... Like, they were just screaming because... They just wanted to like just get your attention and stuff. Like they, they, they didn't didn't want to touch you. Yeah, it's one like it's oh it's fucking Lindsay from Brethren. <laughs> it was definitely yeah, but yeah, it seems these days it's been there's a lot more everything's everything's more sexualized these days. Everything's <laughs> like, like like the world is more spoken like a true thirty seven year old. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Every it's like, like kids today. These fucking kids these selfies. Days. <laughs> but yeah, back then it wasn't. It was just like they just wanted to just get your attention and just yell in your face. But yeah, I remember hiding in the pub in Camden. Yes, I don't remember the gig at all. But I remember that one part of it. It was a strange. It was a strange place we played. It was a pub. Yeah, it was an all ages venue and a pub on the other side of the road. I think we'll check with Brock about that <laughs> and his silly moustache that he has these days. <laughs> Shout out to Brock if you're listening. <laughs> so now Frenzel's a, a full time thing for you. Yeah. Where did you kind of take it from there? Like, what was the first kind of uh, stuff that you were writing? Did you mm. did you kind of think, oh, I'm just going to try and do it as similar to the previous guy? Or did you? Was there a point where you're just like, oh, I've actually got a couple of ideas of my <laughs> own, you know? I, yeah, I, I remember the first... Well, the first riff I ever wrote for Friends or Rom was the song which we turned into uh, Dr. Linderman's Family Adventure Theme Park World. Right, yeah. Which was... I, I had learnt uh, how to play a certain guitar chord, which is a... I guess it's a... Add nine or a, 
add nine or add two or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you add the, uh, the an extra little note. And so the song was just all those things. And I think I got it from Propagandy. I imagine I got most of my things from Propagandy. Yeah. Something, something similarly. Yeah, anyway. Um, and so that was the thing. But yeah, no, it wasn't until with the first, with Meet the Family, the first album I wrote with them. Mm. It was just like we just write riffs. Like Jason wrote most of the riffs, and I would just learn to play them. Really? And, yeah. And I yeah. would add bits to them. Like <clears throat> the difference between me and Ben is Ben didn't solo. Well, not really. And I would just add solo bits because that's one thing that's like. So, for example, Mum, the Mum Chains the Locks riff, which Jason wrote, which is which is it, which is brilliant, fucking amazing with the chords underneath it. And I would just add the and that was that would be my bit that I'd add to any riff that Jason wrote I'd say chuck a solo on the end of it and that worked for that album I guess <laughs> it wasn't until the second album until Meet the what's the last one? Oh, Man's Not a Camel yeah that we started actually writing shit together and like really working on weird sounds and weird chord things and just yeah me and Jason just working on like he would come up with chords and I would just try and do weird things and we'd go against those chords and we'd pull the chords away and you know Unfortunately, we had a bass player that refused to play root notes as well, so it made everything sound very strange. No one was playing the basic notes; everyone was doing other things. But it was fun. It was fun. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It, 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 uh, a lot of the time with with, with that period of friends and stuff, you know, it, uh, a few of those songs are just like there are four people on this track doing four completely different yeah. things at any given it's time. It's true, you know? and because we, we kind of we had these weird, yeah, like we we did have a, a lot of time where we'd sort of. Like, I would basically just go back to playing chords because yeah. like, Lex just didn't want to play basic notes on the bass because, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> but, like, we, we did have these... Like, Jason and me used to sit together, especially with A Man's on a Camel, we would just sit together and write lyrics together with a bottle of whiskey or whatever and just, just shoot horrible, like, dumb lyrics between each other because we had this same stupid mind frame of, um, of you know, just... I can't remember what lyrics we even wrote. <laughs> like just ridiculous stuff the most ridiculous just stupid rhymes that would go together and stuff. yeah yeah and uh, I know that um, what's that song called oh it's up to you just it was all a song about just just it was, it was it was a silly song written by knuckleheads who wanted to just fight the power for no real reason so it was a song about just fight the power for no real reason that, that sounds like Frenzel <laughs> yeah like just, just do it just do it because there's a song telling you to do it so it was like a it was a, a self-aware song about that and so yeah. we just wrote these things but I just remember that sort of stuff happening there's a lot of sitting we did a lot of sitting and just working on like because everyone just thinks oh, friends are on three chords stupid stuff we actually yeah. did sit a lot of spend a lot of time writing little bits to go in the songs and if yeah. you listen you can hear there's always bits. more to it than met the eye yeah <coughs> yeah <laughs> I think, yeah I think so I mean it just sounds pretty silly these days because these days you do that shit all the time because you have you know because these days you have computers and pro tools and stuff where you can just run that shit all day long and work out how to play stuff that, those days you didn't have that you just had to like just that, like we weren't using any computers back then we were just looping a four track and yeah. just running over it until we got something good and pressing stop before we deleted it like it was horrible like it was so yeah that was like 1999 was when we wrote that stuff and it yeah, was so yeah. I can't even I can't imagine because I don't at the time I didn't think it was weird because that's what you had to do you just had yeah. to listen to the song and then just write stuff to it and keep writing on the, on the loop on the four track until, until you thought it was good and then stop and yeah. listen back you know so this is around the point where I discover friends are wrong mm. uh, because uh, you are not my friend is getting played on the radio. Oh yeah, and, you, should uh, heard, you should have heard the versions of that. Oh they shit, went to, really? Which was we were, we were at a house in in Vincentia in Huskisson, Jervis Bay area, and I remember us trying to like. So Jason wrote this song, perfect as was, perfect, slow, 
excellent. I rode the riff because what else do you ride over those chords? It was like obvious. Mm. There was nothing to it. And then when we wrote the middle section, like I didn't do any work, just followed the chords that Jason wrote. But then we kept trying to make it different. Like it can't be that easy. It can't Surely just not. be three chords. <laughs> Everyone says Spencer Rob's a three chord band. Can't be a three. And then after all these different versions, including I remember like a weird sort of um, ching, 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 like sort of scar sort of thing. That doesn't sound like scar, but it did at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then eventually we just went, let's just do it the way it was written. And it was so slow for us. And that that album, Man's on a Camel, has got so many slow songs compared to how we play these days. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was like ridiculous yeah <laughs> like, of course because it's writing a pop song we were, yeah. writing, a, we were writing a pop song yeah. <laughs> I mean it was yeah, yeah. yeah, it was, was, was written about Jason's ex-girlfriend who hated him and so that was fine as ex-girlfriends are wont to do yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was the song yeah, yeah. yeah so that was getting played on the radio and mm. uh, also you ended up in some pretty bizarre promo circumstances uh, Jack Riley a uh, friend of the show actually reminded me of this you guys once appeared on a kids afternoon show called oh. What's Up Dog. What's Up Dog? I was talking to I was I was in Byron a few weeks ago with my fiance Jen. Yes. We, she's getting tattooed out the back of Byron. And I remember I went to Byron with Stoltz, my childhood friend whose yes. name was Luke Shepard until Jason named him Stoltz because he looks like Eric Stoltz. <laughs> and uh, and Rob, my other childhood friend, yep. we'd all moved in together uh, in, in Newtown where I still live. And we'd all gone on holiday together and we stayed at the Piggery in Byron Bay, which is great unless you look like us because everyone uh. there is a backpacker with amazingly sculpted bodies. It was cool. I actually ended up picking up a girl that I went to school with. But hey. that's, un, that's un, un, unrelated. But... Uh, <laughs> We, we were all there, and I had to leave early. I had to get a taxi from Byron to Lismore and get a flight from Lismore back to Sydney, all paid for by friends of Rom, so I could go on What's Up, Doc? Jesus. <laughs> and I have no idea what we did on that show, because I've been drinking for like three days. I, I imagine we just spoke I, to... Yeah, I think, I think yeah, it was just a... It wasn't... It wasn't um, a kid, yeah, it's like a kid's show interview, so it's just like, yeah. so what's it like being in a band? You know? <laughs> I'm drunk! And, and you, you guys all introduced one another. Jay was just like, this is Lindsay, who thinks he can play guitar. Oh, yeah, and you were, yeah. you were just like, this is Jay, who thinks he can sing. No, you know? that's, that's pretty good. Was it... It wasn't so... No, it wouldn't have been... Um, what's her name? Um... It wasn't Sophie Lee. She, I, I don't think so. I can't. It remember. would have been. A, a, a I genuinely can't remember who it was. I, I just remember seeing it. Yeah, it's right. like, I've never seen people like that before. <laughs> I remember doing it. I remember doing it well. And it, it was it was early in the day, and then we had nothing else to do, so we'd just go and get drunk. More Jason and I would have gone and get drunk. And yeah, was Gordy was in the band by then? I'm sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Oh yeah, because that was after Amazing uh, on a Camel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we would have just gone and got drunk somewhere. Yeah, we did lots of weird things like that. It was very strange. Yeah. Because you because. At the time, Shock were trying to make us a big band, doing what they could, and then there was like like Sony were hovering around as well, the lovely people that they are. So trying to get us all in these weird places, like we and we had weird people making video clips for us. And I remember we made the Man's Not Account, uh, the You and Not My Friend video clip. Someone someone said, "Did you get paid for that by Coke?" Like, what do you mean? And we looked at it, and there's all these crushed Coke cans and stuff. That we, like we're just down the road. Oh shit! We're yeah. just just down the road from Newtown at the um at the at the tip, just down the road in St Peter's. And it just looked like, but by chance, the camera was focusing on these crushed Coke cans. Yeah. Like, we're not doing that. We're just at the tip closest to our house. <laughs> it was strange, yeah. It was, fun, it was fun, though. Like, that whole area, that whole time was hilarious because that's when we, like, got nominated for, like, three arias. We've lost five arias. <laughs> nominated for and lost five arias. I yeah, I, 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 remember, I remember that from uh, the precise history of Jay Wally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. from, from Sam, Sam Simmons. Sam Simmons, yes. His birthday yesterday. Yeah, it was. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Sam. Uh, yeah, I think it was... Uh, 
I, I think Jay's an okay guy, except his band Frenzel Rim only mm. peaked at number 48 on the ARIA charts and they never won an ARIA. He definitely peaked higher than that, but that's okay. He's allowed to say that sort of stuff because he's a comedian. <laughs> Do you remember your peak position on the ARIA charts? We debuted... What album was that? We debuted... Uh, what's the one before Forever Malcolm Young? Sam Susie debuted at number fourteen. Hey, yeah, that was like that was that was after the ass fell out of the record industry. Like oh, back yeah. back in the days, we we were knocked out of the twentieth position by Spider Bait for um, a man's not a camel. I guess it was, or no, maybe just knocked out of top ten. It was something. Yeah. It was some, some, something. Was that Ivy and the Big Apples? It makes sense. Yeah, it must have been. It would have been. Now that was earlier. Was it the Black Betty one? I don't no, know. no, no. Black Betty was like 2004. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I am playing in a band with Cram, but I can't tell you about it yet. That's a secret. That's, that, that's, that's a <laughs> thing. Apart from that thing you just told <laughs> us. No, no. There's, not, there's a lot more to it than that. This is a little thing. I'm playing some songs with Cram soon. Well, oh, that's exciting. I did play but one song with Cram at a, at a, a game show in New Zealand once. But that's another, another what story. the fuck? I got to host a game show. Oh, not host. I was a team captain in a game show in New Zealand once. It was brilliant. What was it? What was the show? The show was called Pop, Go- Pop Goes the Weasel, and it was ridiculous because it's from New Zealand so there was it wasn't PC it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, there was no work no work cover no work safety we were wearing these collars and in one round if we got shit wrong they would zap us with actual electric shots holy it brilliant. crap it's brilliant you gotta look up Pop Goes, Goes the Weasel there's nothing on the on the YouTubes about when I was on it but there are other episodes up on YouTube it's brilliant that's incredible. But I think Sam Simmons was on an episode as well. Like oh, he'd have loved that. That sounds yeah. that sounds right up his alley. There was the, um, uh, Nathan from Faker was supposed to be on an episode, but he didn't get on the plane to come to New Zealand, and and so my mum happened to be on holidays, so she was my team partner that day. It was brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. That's a true story. And I wore I wore double electrified necklaces that day because I didn't want my mum to get um, shocked. Oh, mate, <laughs> the real thing. That was like two thousand and eight, maybe two thousand and seven. Oh, that's incredible anyway <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all the things that's all the things oh man over the over the course of Frenzel I don't know did the live experience change for you much you, did you kind of get to the point where you're just like oh yeah I'm, I'm used to this because like when you're starting you know mm. you're like you're 18 or whatever like holy fuck I'm getting to tour <laughs> and play with all these cool bands and shit and it becomes the most exciting thing but I can only imagine after like you know five even ten years of doing that you're just like alright mm. I, I know what, what's happening now it's lost it's kind of edge it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't lose its edge things get different things like because we we never did things the same way like the first time we went to america we drove a van second time we drove a van third time we were in a um converted refrigerator truck that the descendants and lent us which had like had um bunks in it and stuff so we were shit wow yeah the descendants lent us a truck it was good it's a good truck. Um, they got Clank. two, of, but they got two of them. We had one of them. Yes, there it is. It's in the ground. That's hard. Um, and then first time we went to New Zealand. Uh, first time we went to Europe was in a van. Then we went to get first ever bus sharing with Useless ID, and that was fun as well. But yeah, so we we used to do it. We, we at no point did we get in the thing where oh we're going on tour again. Like American bands and European bands, they go on tour, they get in the bus. Yeah, and every day is the same. They get out of the bus, they play the show, they get back in the bus. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We never like we only did that for a tour or two. We never got to the point where oh, every year we get back into the bus. And yeah, you know, it's like American bands. They live from warp tour to warp tour, US to a Euro tour, Australian tour, back to the warp tour, and they'll record an album somewhere in that. You know, they'll just you know drop into Ryan. Yeah, Green it's very or, cyclical. It's yeah. very and, and 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 they live in this world, and, and they even like they, you know they write songs about. It. There's so many American punk rock songs bands have written songs about 
getting off tour and getting back to the wife and going back on tour and stuff. And yeah. like, we don't. We never did anything like that. We never did anything because we live in Australia. Yeah. We never. We've never done the bus thing where it's just like a year by year thing. So no, yeah, the bus ne- thing's a real myth in this country, isn't it? <coughs> they, there was two buses. Channel V owned one of them, and maybe Billabong owned another one, and they lasted about a year. Because yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing in the middle of Australia. <laughs> it's like 12 hours between service stations in a bus. Exactly. So, yeah, no, it never worked. It was, it's, it's, so it's good for us. As a result, touring never got into that point. Like, Jason still reckons that America is L.A., or, or San Francisco, more specifically, mm. and New York, and everything else is Canberra. That's what he is. <laughs> and I, I love that he's like I love lots of parts of America, but it's pretty much right. It's just, totally, there's a yeah. bunch of nothing. I'm sorry, I love everyone in there that I know, but it's pretty much it's just nothing, and it's horrible and it's boring. And especially when you do tour like that, you just see car parks. When you're in buses, all you see is car parks. Yeah, because <clears throat> your buses can't go to the beautiful parts of the city. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's why when you're traveling, you know, in small small bands. So no, we we always and and also we just take heaps of time off, like. We, we never, you know, we stopped going to America years ago to tour and we're going to Europe for the first time in 11 years this year. Wow, so, yeah. And that's just, yeah, so we just don't, we stopped, about 10 years ago, we stopped doing it as a career, obviously, because Jason and me got other jobs and as did Gordy, but maybe more than that, we just realised, yeah, maybe 12 years ago, it's like, it's no point doing this as a career because you'll end up doing stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying that bands that do it for a career do that, but for us... Like, we, we got to that point with Sony where we were on Sony for one album and we just realised we don't want to do this. We don't want to go and do silly acoustic pop-up gigs. They weren't yeah. called pop-up gigs back then, but whatever they were. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and also, we don't want to do that. Like, we had fun doing the silly things we did, but it's just like, no, nah, we just want to just make music when we want to make music. Sure. And, what was know, the record with Sony? Shut Your Mouth. Ah. Uh. No, no, it's called Shut Your Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's horrible. It's a horrible record. Oh, there, there's yeah. some good songs on it, but that's, the, that's the great ignored um, frontal yeah, record. It's the uh, Bad Religion have their have their one, um, which is called um, I can't remember what it's called. Probably good. It's forgotten. It's the forgotten album. Yeah. We had one. Yeah, it was horrible. We were in a bad time. Jason had just been in hospital for a bunch of time. Gordy and me were drunk all the time. Gordy lost his wallet and I think his pants. He no, he took his pants off on the walk home from a bar. We recorded in Chicago. And he took his beautiful bar we spent all the time at. Took his pants off because it was so hot. Threw his pants over his head. Lost his wallet. Lost his passport. Lost everything. That Jesus. Was the kind of stuff that happened when we were in Chicago. Yeah. So there was just me and Gordy off our faces drunk. Uh, Jason was not in a good place. He wasn't happy because he just cut out of hospital. Wasn't drinking. Yeah. And so Lex, our old bass player, ran the band. And he's not the sort of guy that should run a band. So the, that whole album was too slow and too boring and too negative. It was really negative, that album. I mean, the hit singles where everything's fucked. Yeah. And uh, I've had enough, I think. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, it was, very reflective. It was terrible. It was boring. It was just boring albums. So anyway, that was fine. We, you know, we, we, we cleaned the deck and then the next album was great. San Susie was fucking rad. Yeah, that's my favourite. Sounds a record. Good record. <laughs> Good, Good times. Yeah. Eddie Ashworth, if you're listening to this, in Idaho, or, no, Ohio, wherever you live, is the producer on that record. Uh, and yes. on um, Man's on a Camel. Beautiful man. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah, this will probably go out to a bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> you've you've name dropped a bunch of people. I'm sure they'll all hear it. <laughs> you just tag them in the. In the yeah. thing. When it when Funzel kind of became a, a part time thing, and, mm. you know, you and you and Jay moved into radio. Was there was there a moment where you thought, oh shit, this like we're doing pretty well here. Like this could be the end of that whole saga. Did was there ever a point where you genuinely thought that it could be over? No, because it never was. It never was. 
a thing that was that like it's fucking it's our band or it's our fucking radio career. It's like it's like nothing, nothing, none of that is a career. Like we don't have careers, you know. Like you know, Jason's career is bringing up his kid. My career is just you know waking up on a Monday morning and having my pants. At that stage, we weren't touring that much anymore, and yeah. so and we actually reached a point where. I I you know, started um, asking some friends of mine at the Annandale and the Hopeton just for some work doing the door and stuff. Not because I was poor, but just because I was like, oh, I'm going to need some money soon. So I'll just start doing this because we're not going to tour much at the moment because we we only just got a new bass player and we just released an album and it was great. But we're just you know, sort of selling down after that. And uh, it was, yeah, and it was just after that we sort of got into the radio thing. And I think Tom, maybe, our bass player, who just joined, mm. just released an album, you know, just ready to go was like, oh, 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 but oh, wait, wait a second. Yeah. But yeah, he was like, he just turned eighteen, so there's plenty of time for him to. You know, no shit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and but and Gordy had also just got married and was about to have a kid, so yeah. it was the right time for us as a band to just relax and realize that you know it's so much more fun if it doesn't matter, like sure. if it just doesn't really matter. Like you just you turn up and you do a thing and it's good. And you're not turning up because you have to turn up, mm. and you've just you, you've got to keep playing because you've got to keep moving those units, and you've yeah. got to keep your you've got to keep your brand in yeah, the public yeah, yeah, eye, all that stuff. It's like no, yeah. and and we've met a lot of people as a result of working Triple J that do have that thing, and you yeah. do have it for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, of course. Um, no, it was very, very smooth. And, and obviously we got ribbed, and especially me for staying in radio. Like after J- Jason always took it as another thing to do. I, I took it quite seriously for ten yeah. years. It was great. Yeah, and so Gordy very early on took to calling me Johnny Rad radio guy <laughs> and because obviously you know we'd be driving in a Tarago and you turn on oh, a higher car or whatever you turn on the, the radio and if it was tuned to Triple J you'd probably hear my fucking voice yeah just doing a promo or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that <coughs> talking about you know make sure you check out the latest Gypsy and the Cat record or whatever <laughs> whatever it yeah. was I was just trying to think of someone that's <laughs> anodyne enough to not cause any problems I actually like a lot of, most of the music I play on Triple J but anyway yeah yeah and so I definitely get hassled a lot for that but that's fine that's what you're supposed to, you're supposed to get hassled by your friends yeah that's yeah totally fucking, fucking hell it's um it never it never got to the point where um it was like I'm sorry guys I can't do this I've got to do Triple J it's like no we'll make it work we'll squeeze around I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll lie to Triple J and say I've got to do this and we went to New Zealand once at some gigs in New Zealand no, it wasn't even a gig. I think it was actually for the, for the game show in New Zealand. But Jason and me were doing breakfast, and we did a, an expose on international travel, which was me getting on a plane and going to New Zealand <laughs> while Jason was in the studio. So, yes, it must have been the game show because obviously I was going and he wasn't. And so I, um, I went to... Uh, I went to New Zealand live on air on the phone. <laughs> so, but anyway, whatever we wanted to do, we could make ourselves work around it. Triple yeah, yeah, yeah. J, like, Triple J, you used J to do, like flexible. the afternoon shit, and then like go oh. straight to a show after that. Occasionally, I would pre-record the bit where me and Tom Tilly would talk in the hack, the hack <laughs> crossover, yeah, and I just get because sometimes you know the the, the six thirty train, the six thirty aeroplane, you had to get there early, you know, to get mm, on it. So, sure, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There was definitely a lot of that, and and there's also. Um, not not in the later years because I had a like with, with doing breakfast you can get on an aeroplane at like you know ten thirty in the in the day yeah easy yeah and and I was doing I I toured with Lagwagon when I was doing Robbie Marie and the Doctor uh, I played guitar for Lagwagon for like you know three weeks and I would just 
go to whatever ABC studio was nearest me, get there in the morning and just turn up bleary-eyed because they play 20 songs for 120 minutes every night and don't finish until 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I just turn up on the radio four hours later and go, after like three hours sleeping, go, hey, Robbie and Marie down the line in Sydney where they were. And yeah. So, but you just make it feel like they were, yeah, it's just like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 when you've got friends, it's easy. Friends, that's a good thing. When you've got people that know each other and can do that stuff, it's very, very easy. Yeah, of course. So that's, yeah, that stuff was rad. And, and we, we the, the album we did after San Susi, which was Forever Malcolm Young. Yes. We definitely rehearsed, we definitely recorded that in the two week break that Jason and I had from work. We mixed it in the next two weeks. Jason and I would go to work get up at 5, be on air at 6, get off air at 9, be at the studio at 10 to mix. Fuck. And mix from 10 till about maybe 10 at night. And so mix, and also do extra guitar bits, stuff we've forgotten in the oh, studio. Oh, man. That's it ridiculous. Was a, <coughs> lucky um, Phil, Phil McKellar, who produced it, used, he does work at ABC, so he knew about the ebbs and flows of radio, so he was cool with it. But yeah, it's insane. As a result, that, the album's good, but it's, I, I don't remember doing half of it. <laughs> we yeah. would sleep, we yeah. would sleep as, as he was... Um, engineering the kick drum sounds, like getting the sound nice. Yeah, he would sleep. I That's coming up that. nice in the levels. Yeah, there it is. That was he would like you know he would be tuning that as we yeah. were sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So there were some <laughs> such sweet sounds. It was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> just anytime you hear a bass drum, you just immediately fall just I, fall asleep. <laughs> kind of <laughs> from, from that. If it's in the right tempo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to bring back, like you mentioned, Tom, uh, the mm-hmm. current bass player, yes. friends, uh, you know, being like eighteen or whatever. He joined when he was seventeen. Gone. He lied. He said he was eighteen. Fucking hell! So, he, like, it's quite a similar trajectory to yes. your joining. Like, did yes. you see a lot of? Like his kind of enthusiasm and like, oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Did you see that when, when, he, when he joined? It was so good. Yeah, he he, he I, I was eighteen. He was seventeen. We uh, we said after he joined, like the first night maybe he was staying at Jason's house. We're like, do you want to? Because he lived in Adelaide. Do you want to? Um, we're all going to go to the metro and watch Grinspoon tonight. He's like, oh okay. Um, just got to. Uh, oh, and he's like looking at his wallet. Oh, I think I've got to get my dad to send my ID from. Adelaide and Jason goes, you're not, 18, you're not 18, are you? He goes, no, I'm 17. <laughs> That's all right, dude. We'll just stay at home and drink here. <laughs> so, yeah, he turned 18. That was like, you know, middle of the year he turned 18 in, in Oh, November. to be fair, Jamo probably would have taken that option. Oh, too. he would have absolutely, yeah, yeah. He would have been fine with that. Shout out to Jamo. Yes. Hello. Hey, Phil. How you doing? Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And that I, that's why I kind of, there was that bit of, like when we started doing radio about a year after that, kind of felt like oh Tom you don't you didn't get to do the things that I did which was slowly get bigger like when I joined the band it was just after punching the face a bit yeah released. yeah yeah and then course. not so tough now and then we released meet the family and we kept getting bigger yeah, and like yeah, the skate course. skate punk the surf you know 90s surf and skate circuit yeah and yeah yeah like the warp you guys want sports surf, montages skate. man yeah we're in Montreal. Yeah. sports montages there, was, there, was, there were snowboards who snowboarded to our music you know yeah these days it's all Xavier Rudd and stuff <laughs> big back time. in the old yeah day. yeah 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 so, uh, so I guess Tom grew up listening to that stuff and listening to us from you know when I joined or whatever yeah and so it didn't it wasn't quite the same he didn't get but he did definitely like he was touring with no effects in mm. Europe within six months it was brilliant we were like having we were, that's a deep end it was good we, took, we deep played end. with Nickelback at the Rock AMC Festival in Bullshit. in 2000 and one or maybe 2002 just oh. after he joined it was it was <laughs> like this is like the peak of how you remind me this was Frenzel Rom, we, we were playing like maybe there's maybe a band called the Do Nots, a German band. Uh huh. Then us, Frenzel Rom, and then like a million bands, and then No Effects, and then Nickelback, and then Die Horsen, who are massive over yeah, there. It's like a real massive Dutch looking band, uh, and it was hilarious. Chad Kroger going, "How are you guys doing there in the marsh pit?" 
Yeah, I know how you guys feel. I've been in my share of marsh pits. Let's get these guys some water. And like pouring fire hoses on these guys. And there's so many fire. This, fuck, this is like a whole other podcast. It's hilarity. <laughs> the Nickelback podcast. I, they, can, um, I can host that. We were, we were, no effects were on stage and they had, uh, the POM was their keyboard player at the time. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This guy. And uh, Nickelback had a four by four Messer stack either side of stage. So four Messer stacks. So four Messer cads by four, which is four speakers something. Anyway, yeah, that's speak. hectic. And I decided that whenever the POM played keyboards, he needed the Messer stacks behind him. So I would just, and they're all on wheels. So I just pull it out. And <laughs> the first time it happened, the fucking Nickelback crew guys are like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, sorry, man. Push them back. Second time, I'm like, I've got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, and like, luckily, no effects as crew guys are massive dudes. And there's like, I'm sorry, yeah, he's Australian, it's okay. And these giant Canadian <laughs> roadies Australian. trying to beat him up. It was beautiful, it was beautiful. <laughs> Meanwhile, over in Chad World, Chad's fucking guitar tech is um, putting, he's got a candle and he's melting wax on the ends of. Chad Kroger's acoustic guitar strings where he's cut them off so they don't prick his little pretty little fingers when oh he's on stage. Oh my god! I remember that, just going, oh Chad, oh Chad. You don't, you don't, you don't need to give us any more reasons to hate you, it's fine. It's <laughs> this fine. is how you remind us. Although, if you want to find out, hear a nice story about Chad Kroger, listen to Penn Gillette's podcast, uh, Sunday Service, called Sunday Service or Sunday Mass or whatever. Penn Gillette is from Penn and Teller, the amazing magician. Yes. There's like an excellent episode where he talks about him and uh, the guy from Nickelback. It's a great... I want to tell you the story. It's a good story. It's a good story. <laughs> That's remarkable. I'll have to check that out. It's good. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so that was, that was like Tom's first ever tour was over there in Europe. Yeah, it was great. Playing hell. rad gigs and festivals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I definitely saw him, his excitement and rem- remind, remembered mine. But I still feel excitement all the fucking time. It's great. Mm. Get to play Gross Rocks <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. We're like refused and shit. Yeah, you know, that's going to be hectic. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so, yeah, like, I guess friends are a bit more of a concern now. You know, you guys are kind of shifting away from being inactive, you know. Like, I always loved uh, every time a tour got announced for you guys. At the bottom, like, in the last couple of years, uh, it would set, you know, like, this most bands would be plugging an album. And you mm. guys would have, uh, Smoker with the Pet Food Factory, out still. still, out, still <laughs> out still is our fate. We have so many. Like, we, we actually spend a remarkable, like, you just see the email chains where we get our press releases right like we've got a bit lazy over the last couple of years but just trying to get the right tone and the right things we want to say in our press releases the right yeah. jokes out still was brilliant out still one of our favorites it's like <laughs> it's a fucking it's a great line it's out still it's still there guys yeah, yeah it's been three years <laughs> yeah well, what else you know i'm gonna sell the album but hopefully by this time next year probably even earlier we're recording in august at the end of august back at uh, the blasting room so hopefully early next year the next album will be out, I, I imagine. Yeah. I've written so many goddamn songs, it's got to be done soon. <laughs> please, please, just tell us to stop writing songs. We've just got to write, because this is what we have, to, we're one of those bands that it all gets written and you just toss the crap out. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Pull the good ones out of the top, there's so much crap. Yeah. And it can be heartbreaking because you spend ages writing a song and then just go, you know, everyone that listens just goes, yeah, and you just go, Oh, oh, I really okay. like that one. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Goes, goes. <laughs> or like, I, I was like, I was down the snow once because fiance works down the snow, and yeah, and I was uh, down there doing some like editing of songs and stuff, and wrote a whole bunch of fact of ideas for song edits, and this really slow internet down at Jindabyne and sent it off, and Gordy just goes, "We've already nixed most of those songs." <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh that's handy. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. There'll be plenty of songs. There's a lot of songs. One of the only times uh, in the last few years that you've gotten to work away from Frenzel, ironically, was with another part of Frenzel, was the Self Righteous Brothers record. Oh, yes. That was good fun. 
That was hilarious. <laughs> Talk was, us through the creation of oh, that yeah. one. Was oh, yeah. that was that just a, a snowball idea? It was just like, oh, you know, we've been writing all these silly songs. We might as well do something with them. What was it? I think what what it was was. Jason and I played in a covers band called the For Fuck's Sakes with a bunch of people from Peabody and uh, the Dilemmas and a few other people and just playing covers. And yeah. then at the same time, Neil Hamburger was coming out to Australia. It's something to do with Neil Hamburger. It always is. It is. Shout out to Greg is. if you're listening. Greg, he'll be here. He's here in a couple of weeks. We're going to see you in Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time. No, next weekend. He, he had joked, because he's vegan as well. He joked yeah, yeah. about a, uh, a, like a self-righteous vegan hardcore band where you just sing about... Or, no... He's joked about itself because there are lots of self righteous oh, yeah, big time. Big Earth time. Crisis and stuff. But like a band that plays beautiful songs. And then so what, Jason, I imagine, because he's the creative one, came up with the Self Righteous Brothers as a name. Yeah. And it was originally just going to be Self Righteous Vegan Anthems, all done all acoustically. Sure, yeah. And we wrote like two of those and realized well, that's not where our forte lies. <laughs> songs. So yeah, we just started writing. For, and the first, song we, the first time we ever played was with Neil Hamburger at uh, the Excelsior Hotel on Favot Street. And played like two or three new songs and a few other like Frenzel songs and some covers yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah 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 and then we supported Me First and the Gimme Gimme I think it was our next lot of gigs and we'd written a bunch by then and we just started getting this role of writing really filthy songs like <laughs> Jason's writing songs about you know falling in love with a hermaphrodite and then the You've Got Too Much Sperm in Your Eyes such a beautiful song The Only Gay Soldier Left only, in Iraq. yeah that was yeah I don't know why I thought that was a thing that was that was like I thought I was like I'm going to be vaguely political here, but still be kind of filthy. So I'll write about fucking dudes in yeah. in Iraq. It's Might as well. It, it's it's a it's a song about you know creeds and races coming together. You know, <laughs> yeah. literally. Yeah, that's so good. And I got to rip off. Uh, I was only 19 with the contact line, and someone yelled out "contact." I knew what he meant. That was good. That was good. But yeah, it, it was it was a way for us to like really write melodies yeah. and. That was what we loved doing, and obviously they get hidden in Friends of Rom sometimes. You know, yeah, sure. Jason writes these beautiful melodies, and I love, like, we would do things. Like, we had this one big synthesizer keyboard thing, and we would write, like, you got to listen to the album. I like, just go, go to iTunes, buy the album. It's called Love Songs for the Wrong at Heart by Self Righteous Brothers. Or just steal it. Like, I'll, I'll give it to you, just so you can <laughs> listen to the amount of time we spent in writing stupid little keyboard lines that yeah. go along with stuff like. Like just stupid incidental <laughs> bits that just make like when I listen to it these days and I do I definitely listen to it a lot I get like I've definitely gotten drunk and played the songs I remember Jen was telling me I did it when I, Jen came over to my house once with Robbie from Robbie Rick and the Doctor and Jen shout out to Robbie for the same hey, Robbie and I was off my face and started playing songs from the album and then going oh no wait I've got to press play because you got to hear the bits the the, the keyboard lines. <laughs> But anyway, they're great. There's some, and we had like actual proper keyboard player playing on some songs, and a cellist, and a, a dr- like a Pete Costich from Front End Loader was playing on a couple of songs. Oh, fantastic! Just these beautiful quiet and brass sections, and like you know, like um, this awesome muted trumpet trombone solos, and and La- um, Lauren, which is Jason's wife, sings some beautiful songs like Love Barks, an amazing love song about falling in love with a dog, <laughs> uh, which is just yeah. We just got as an excuse to write the most filthy songs we could possibly write, and and a few like just stupid self-righteous sort of songs and just get away with them and then we got Bo to tour with us Bo from Front End Loader so we had the you know, angelic voice of Bo from Front End Loader and us and it was good fun it was, and it was, it was great because we got to just do stupid little shows and just, you know, just tell jokes and play songs slowly yeah Perfect. Yeah, it's good fun. In recent years, you've also done a couple of solo things as well, mm. where you've kind of just like had to throw together just everything <laughs> that you've done over the last few years. I, I went like, through. See what happens. I went through all the Frenzel songs and took all the ones that I wrote lyrics to, and that was like four. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, that, and then took like the good ones, and then got like 
a few others that Jason wrote lyrics to that I just stole because I thought they're really good. Yeah. And yeah, I played here at Ginger Fest, which is like a, a festival for this poor guy that was stabbed last year mm. or the year before, I guess. The Ginger Ninja, yeah. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, so they have this little um, fundraising thing here. And it was great. I was amazed. I was playing songs that were released as B-sides in the 90s. I played a song called Gambling, Vomit, Sleeping in the Bin, which we wrote, which I love, which should have been on um, Man's Night Camel, which wasn't. It's fine. Um, I'm okay with it now. <laughs> That's how it right now. And people were singing along to it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this song was like a B-side to, I don't even know what at the time, and it was like released yeah, in one Yeah, you got some pretty impressive archivist friends or fans. Yeah. You know? Well, I had to buy the entire... Um, best of collection that we released um, for the term of their unnatural lives yeah. on iTunes for like 30 bucks just to get that song so I could learn the lyrics so the lyrics aren't online anymore <laughs> I like typing out the lyrics so I really love the song I wanted yeah, to yeah. sing it <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you'd, so, see, you'd see some, you'd see some apra from that, some, from yeah, coin, yeah, I, I <laughs> in a way, so. a lot more than I would from any audio and Spotify that I've done yeah, that's myself. True. That's, so that's something, <laughs> I guess. Yes, Lindsay, thank you so that's much it. for your time. It's my been friend. about like four hours, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been something ridiculous oh like God. that. But um, oh yeah, yeah, my fiance's going to bed. <laughs> Yikes! That's all right. That's fine. It's cool. It's yeah, fine. it should be fine. Right. Should be fine. Uh, but before we head out, I ask this of all of my guests, and I will mm-hmm. ask this of you. I want to know the best and worst shows that you That's have right. ever played. Feel free to start with either or. I heard, I heard about this. Um, <laughs> worst show coming. I played wasn't a Friends or Rom show. I get to get out of this because hey. I, I played lots of gigs. I was thinking about this the other day. I played a, uh, uh, a, a uh, refugee benefit. Uh, it was just after I started working at Triple J doing the breakfast show because the song Soon Are You, Soon Are Me had been written which is a song I wrote which we played on the very first day we are ever on Triple J Breakfast yes. it happened to be just after the horrible and horrific events in Arche and everything the tsunami yes. and all that and so the song was I think it's still freaking hilarious it's all it's, it's written in the you know, vibes of like a We Are The World style song yeah, so yeah, it yeah. points out Australians loving to like you know donate to charity for a bit then forgetting about countries and the fact that the foreign aid that we gave to Indonesia at the time was actually half of which we had to they had to pay back to Australia yes, with interest yes, oh, yes. that's the lyrics of the song anyway so I wrote, I'd written that song and then someone asked us to play this refo benefit Jason and me and Jason couldn't do it so I decided to do it by myself Ooh. with Fiona my girlfriend at the time yes and Matt Downey from The Drugs a wonderful band he, he played under the name Ian Badley in that band mm-hmm. and we didn't have any rehearsal time so we got up there and we did three or four songs and it was a crowd of people who wanted people on stage going fuck fuck John Howard fucking save refugee that sort of stuff but I thought we'd just play some funny songs <laughs> acoustically with a keyboard player and a bass player and, and some bad but I, I even had bad like drum a bad drum track on it on a drum machine, and it was really really bad and embarrassing. And I remember like this tsunami tsunami you song had just come out on the radio and it was like I'd been on Channel Ten talking about it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I got there to play it, and I just it sounded fucking shit. Oh man, and it was really bad and really embarrassing. So that was probably the worst show that I've ever played. Uh, I remember the sound guy came off stage, I came out of the same sound booth onto stage and goes, "Well, oh, that was shit." <laughs> That's alright. <laughs> when it comes to friends of rom shows, I don't think uh, I mean, they're all fine. I mean, there was a couple of shows I had to go straight back to the hotel room because I was so sick afterwards. Oh man, that was fine. yeah, those aren't fun. And the shows where I've you know, played the guitar behind my head and discovered that my fly was down, my dick was hanging out. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, and I used to get, I get a lot of shit thrown at me as well, especially from yeah. being in Triple J. Like yeah. people would throw actual. <clears throat> like not only bottles and stuff but like coins wrapped up thrown at me wrapped up in yeah, plastic and yeah, stuff yeah 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 of fine. course like, yeah, it happens I don't give a fuck about that shit <laughs> um, and the best shows 
There's so many. It's like I, I get. I remember actually, there's University of Wollongong, and I was playing and <laughs> was having a rad show. Like I, there was no sound check because I had to catch a train down after work to play this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got there just in time to watch whoever was playing with us. Got up on stage, just playing. It was really loud and awesome. And like, yeah, my guitar was really fucking loud, and so that everything was mixed really well. And I just looked down, and fucking Jen, my fiance, off her face in the mosh. She'd been drinking with her sisters. She's got two younger sisters, drinking in the mosh pit, just crowd serving, like stage diving, like a fucking idiot. I'm like, this is awesome. My fucking girlfriend's moshing to my band. She doesn't like friends around. She's a metal fan. It's brilliant. That was so. Just in terms of, I'm sorry, Jen, that I haven't come home yet because I'm talking to Dave. That's probably my best show. That's one of my favorite shows. One of the best shows we've played. I guess. And there was a time I got beat up by the Wu-Tang Clan after a gig in Chicago. But let's not worry about that. <laughs> That's another story another time. God damn. Lizzie, thank you so fucking much, thank man. You, I sir. very much appreciate your time. Smoke up the Pet Food Factory. Out still. <laughs> out still. Out still. And uh, friends, that will be on tour by the time you hear this. Yeah, so fucking yeah. come, out and come out to a show. What do we got? We got like uh, the show in... There's a, there's a Newtown show. Newtown like Social a, Club, indeed. That yeah, is going to be off the Central chain. Central Coast, I think, as well. Yeah, Maybe bunch a of, bunch of dates all around. There's uh, <laughs> Europe. Come yeah. see us in Lyon. Yeah. That'll be hectic. I went to Lyon. We played there with the Rocky Murphys. Horrible, horrible band. And uh, <laughs> another story altogether. But I, met, I met a girl there who said, Sometimes I think... I am the only vegan in France. <laughs> yeah. That's gorgeous. Beautiful. I love and it. I, I said goodbye to her, went into my truck, into our bus and emptied a tin of beans into the um, microwave. That's what I had for dinner. Oh, that's gorgeous. Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful. good times. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much, my friend. All right, thank you. I am David Jim Jung and all my friends. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.